The Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And that is as inclusive as we get. We don't make the way any broader or any narrower than what our Lord Jesus did. You want to know how to be saved and be right with God? The Lord Jesus is the way. He's the truth. And he is the life. And he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you, as a Christian, need to be able to sit on a bus, on a park bench, or standing over the fence with your neighbor with the same passion. May God use me to bring the truth to this lost, darkened soul. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and I am a privileged man to bring you the message of 1 John chapter 4. The title of the chapter is, Who Cares? Who cares about the deity of Jesus Christ? Who cares whether he was born in the flesh or not? Well, the born-again believer cares. And the true Christian Bible church cares. And every soul who would be a witness to the lost cares about the nature, the person of the Lord Jesus. And here in the program today, we're going to be going through this need. Also, we have a message on idols, the idols of the heart. And that is a very challenging thing. Here in Canada, we have a land that is filled with idols. There are temples, there are places of obvious, unashamed worship of idols. And then there are multitudes who make idols of the heart. And it estranges them from God. Anyone who puts an undue importance on earthly material things without worshiping the true God of the Bible, is an idolater. Stay with us as today we let the Bible speak. As the faithful church cares. If you look at verse 6, it says, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, but he that is not of God heareth not us. Now, who are the us here? John, again, is speaking as one of the apostles. This is the plural language. This is the grammar that he uses because it's apostolic. This is the foundation of the church. What is the church built upon? The apostles and Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. And those who are born of God form the church and the faithful church cares. Now, the faithful church is made up of hearers. The New Testament church is a hearing church. That's why the Lord Jesus said, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. The church is made up of born-again believers who are hearers and they discern the truth and they want more of the truth. And here in this verse 6, he says, We are of God. He that heareth us is part of that 
gospel-preaching church. Now, this gives us a little bit of leeway here to just say something about the kind of church that you ought to be attending. And I don't know each one individually, so I'm going to make a few blanket statements. Just because there is a steeple on top, and just because there's a sign outside that says church, doesn't mean that's the place for you to attend, to glorify the Lord, and to feed on his word. I think we have a great example here in this little cul-de-sac. We have, what, one, two, three, four churches in this one little cul-de-sac. I have to, again, be careful because I haven't been in the service to witness. But knowing the Presbyterian Church of Canada, knowing the Lutherans, that's the church over here, and knowing the Pentecostals, that's the church over here, and there's a few other groups that meet in that building as well, I could not say, take the numbers down and just go to one of those churches in a pine town place and you'll be safe you want a church where you're going to hear where you're going to hear the word of god read from a faithful translation of the bible expounded carefully not just a lot of shouting and a lot of bluster but the words set out their meaning expanded upon and the application firmly applied. Now, preachers differ. Some are old, some are young, some are very studious, some are more evangelistic and flamboyant, some are really wordy, and others, they just say it once and that's it. You better listen very carefully, you'll miss it. So preachers differ, but that's not the point. The point is truth, the gospel that is preached and you are to be a hearer. The true church of Jesus Christ is a Christ-centered preaching minister. We preach his deity. John stood firmly for that. We preach his resurrection. We preach his offices as prophet to teach, priest to offer a sacrifice, and king to reign in the hearts of believers. And the true church will have a determination that people who come in through the doors of the church come under the influence of that ministry, that they are going to, one way or another, week by week, learn more and more of the Word of God and all its truth. And we live for that. That becomes our passion. We sit up at night burning the midnight oil that we may so preach. We pray, we get on our knees and say, Lord, Touch these lips, inflame this heart, make this word to live, that men and women who may be dull in spirit and cold in heart will hear words of life that will lead them into the very center of the Lord's. The true church cares. Carelessness should be banned from the church. If you're a careless Christian, shame on you. If you're a careless Sunday school teacher, and you don't prepare to teach those little boys and girls the truth, shame on you. Shame on the deacon, the elder, or the pastor who does not endeavor to set himself to serve the church with determination. Now, every generation has to do this. Because remember, we're only one generation away from paganism. You don't teach your children the gospel. The devil will. The world will. And they will 
If the church misses a generation, the stand and testimony of that church is may still have the church name and the steeple on the roof, but it's no longer a truth. And so we need that determination. The Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And that is as inclusive as we get. We don't make the way any broader or any narrower than what our Lord Jesus did. You want to know how to be saved and be right with God? The Lord Jesus is the way. He's the truth. And he is the life. And he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you, as a Christian, need to be able to sit on a bus, on a park bench, or standing over the fence with your neighbor with the same passion. May God use me to bring the truth to this lost, darkened In the pastor's room now, it's called, across the hall, there's a big map of the city of Calgary. And there's a few pins just to hold it up, but then there's another pin for the church location here in the Northeast. Let me say this church is very well situated. It's not a way up in the total far north corner, nor a way in the far south. It, it's, it's where number one goes across there, 16th Avenue, we're just a couple of miles north, very well positioned. And there are subdivisions, housing communities all around us, but there are countless souls without the gospel. Immigration is rising, and northeast Calgary gets their fair share of first-time immigrants from all over the world. Does this church care for those souls? Do we really care? Or do we just want to see the church ticking over, paying its bills, being a little decent and respectable, having the facade of a good church? Do you pray in the prayer meeting with earnest? Do you cry to God for souls? Now, I'm not here often enough to make this judgment, but in my congregation in Cloverdale, I said it quite often. It grieves me when I have people attending the church sometimes for a long period, and I've never heard them pray in the prayer meeting. That's, maybe there's someone here tonight, and I've never heard you pray in the prayer meeting. Now, I haven't been to many since April, what, five or six maybe. But you get the message. You get the thrust of what John is saying here. The true church cares. But let's move to verse 7 here tonight. And you'll see that all who have the love of God care. Now let's just read the verses and then we'll say a few words on them. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That's the test. Now, it's a strange test. It's contrary to what we would naturally think, that if God sent His Son, if He loved us so much and sent His Son... And our Lord Jesus gave himself to be a propitiatory sacrifice upon the cross, offering up himself for our redemption. Then surely John would say, we've got to love the Lord. But he didn't love the Lord. He said, love one another. That's the test of our appreciation of the death and the love of God at Calvary. You see, it's easy to love God because God's perfect. He's holy. He's good. He showers us with blessings. It's easy to say, 
I want to love God. But it's not so easy, even in the church, to love one. That's the real test. And in church life, we've got to work alongside with one another. We've got to pray together. We've got to plan together. We've got to cooperate in so many different levels. And at the very least, have a countenance and an attitude that conveys our happiness, encourage and strengthen one. And if we are born of God, we care for our brother and sister. It's not, I told you so. I told you that he was a phony. I told you that he was a difficult person. I told you that he was a troublemaker. No, it's that we might see them conformed and changed into the image of the Lord Jesus. In this letter, you, you can't read First John without noticing that John is fixated on this issue of loving one another. He repeats it over and over again. And you remember uh, that he said when he was an old man, when he was carried to the church by young men, he said, little children love one. And when John, this old pastor apostle, was asked, why do you keep saying to the church people, love one another? He said, because the Lord commanded it, and when that is done, all is done. If you love one another, you have done your all. And it was John who wrote in verse 12, No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected. We have loved one another, we have done all. Now John the Apostle couldn't be any. It's our duty to help our in the good times. We ought to be there for one another. Pull up, help to overcome the struggle. Now as you know, I preach on radio and I do Hours of editing sometimes just to get one pro me a long time listening through things and selecting sections that I'm going to put on radio. And one day I was listening and listening and I had a wonderful quote from J.C. Ryle on this issue of helping fellow Christians. And I thought later, you know, I could go back and listen to that and just write it out and uh, I would have that quote. Well, for the life of me, I went back and I couldn't find it. And you know how it is on, on, on audio. You, you search this little section, that section, and I'm sure it has to be near there. But nope, I could not find it. And the best I could do was to paraphrase J.C. Ryle's quote. And I think I've got it pretty close. And I want to give it to you. Whatever a Christian can do to relieve a man's misery and heavy crosses of this sinful world, he ought to do. Whatever lightens the trials and crosses of life for a brother or sister, a Christian must do. And whatever leads a soul into the joy and blessedness of truth and righteousness and a comfortable walk with God, for that we must be willing to sacrifice our lives. That is what it means to love one another. Putting it short, it's going to cost time, sacrifice, money and perhaps other opportunities that you may give yourself to serve another Christian, another soul that needs the Lord. Are we doing that? Are you doing that? I have to say that I haven't done it enough. I have missed opportunities. That's always a grief to a Christian when we let opportunities go by and we didn't use that need as a way to display the love of Christ. Think of the week that is to do you start in the morning, Lord, give me an opportunity to be a helper, a guide, an example to some lost soul. 
or some weaker brother or weaker son. And Lord, give me the grace to use that and to glorify. John says, Christians care that we will love one another. Now, there's a final argument in this chapter, and it's all about the judgment day, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. This is what makes the gospel always relevant and always urgent. There's a judgment day coming. There are souls around us. There may even be children in our home. And we tremble because the judgment day is coming and they are yet lost. And we know that there is a day set that God is going to judge the world. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And whether we're in a hospital ward, sick souls and dying souls are headed to judgment. Or whether we're in a classroom with healthy young people, we're talking to souls that are headed for judgment. And whether it is a congregation in any part of the world or the mission stations of the world, we are seeking to reach those that are headed for judgment. And Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we pursue, and therefore we care. This gospel matters. It matters. Even though a person's living in a beautiful home, driving uh, a nice BMW or Mercedes, and all is going well in life, it matters that we take that man or woman the gospel. The rich need Christ as much as the poor, and maybe harder to reach because they don't want to consider the Job wrote, because there is wrath, beware lest he take thee away with his stroke. Then a great ransom cannot deliver thee. You know the Gospels. You know that the Lord Jesus backed up that the Son of Man will appear, that he will separate the wheat and the tares, the sheep from the goats, and there will be a judgment. And that day will be a great separation of men's soul. Now, verse 17, I want you to notice how John puts this. Herein is love made perfect. Now, perfect there would mean mature. It is at its peak that ye may have boldness in the day of judgment. Christians do not fear judgment. We will have the righteous. Romans 8, 1 will speak for me. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And as we stand before that white beam of seat and we see the separation of the world, child of God is saved, is safe, and soon to be ushered into eternal life with the Father. Herein is our love made perfect, and we have boldness on that judgment day, because as he is, so are we. We care tonight, because my children need the Lord Jesus. We have a son that needs to be saved. Beulah and I pray every day for him. We all have loved ones that need the Lord. The one thing that we must be above everything else, Christian, if you say to me, preacher, pastor, I don't, I'm going to be very grieved, very sad. You don't care that your friend in this church is burdened for family? You don't care that your neighbors are hostile to the gospel? You don't care that our schools are rife with the devil's doctrines? All Christians. And when we see a brother or sister weak and stumbling, we don't say, I told you so. Now, please take that to heart tonight. And ask the Lord to make you the most caring Christian in this church. If we're going to have competition in this church, let's have it this way. 
I want to be the most caring man or woman in this church. I want to be knowing for my caring spirit. No anger, no retribution, no revenge, no looking over my shoulder, but an open heart and a readiness. Let's ask the Lord to work that in us. Let's pray. O God, our Father, we come to a solemn moment in our meeting, and this chapter is filled with exhortations, and we confess our weakness. Lord, I pray that you will make me a big-hearted pastor. Lord, forgive coldness, carelessness. And I pray for each brother and sister here tonight, regular or visitor, that we will truly desire more and more to be like our Lord Jesus, who cared, casting all our care upon him, for he careth for us. Lord, make this a church that stands out in Calgary as a place where God's people care for souls, where the elderly are strengthened, where the new Christian is guided, where there is none to cause a brother to stumble. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will enter into our hearts this hour to change us and conform us to what we ought to be. We pray for your blessing in the week to come. We pray that you will open up those opportunities. We pray that we will grasp the gladness to serve the So here, the of Jesus. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher calling all Canadians back to the Bible. For you to worship without a Bible, you are an idolater. You are like a politician who will not recognize the law of the land, while you should be a role model for your constituents. A lawless politician is not a leader of any people, but a rebel to king and country. So to pretend to worship God after your own thinking is to really make the God of your own imagination. In the 14th chapter of his prophecy, we read that Ezekiel was told to speak this word to the people of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and cometh to the prophet, I the Lord will answer him, that cometh according to the multitude of his idols, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart, because they are estranged from me through their idols. God had revealed himself to his people Israel. He had given them the light of his glory in the tabernacle and the temple. He had delivered them by miracles and led them into a good land. He had given them his law, the Torah, or the first five books of the Bible. And God sent prophets to teach them out of that good law how to put them into practice and apply them to their daily lives. But that light was despised. Knowledge of God was willfully forgotten, and the people worshipped by their own craft and pleasure. Idolatry was so endemic in the land because it was deep in their hearts. They set up idols in their hearts. As Canadians have ceased to read the Bible, they become their own false guides. They want the reasonings of men and reject the Word of God. The preacher of the Bible is despised. That doesn't just leave a vacuum in men's hearts. They become willful and unashamed idolaters. The dictates of their own hearts drive them 
to serve the world, the flesh, and the devil. Every man wants to do what is right in his own eyes, and they will not walk in the light of the Lord. Canada has therefore fallen on the rock of humanism. Some call it wokeism, where the old institutions are to be torn down. This is all because already in their hearts men have become idolaters. They love their own gods or human wisdom, materialism, and are hedonists. Their god is their belly, and pleasure is their goal. In the mad rush for happiness, they have abandoned holiness, anything that pleases God. While I am talking generally about the people of Canada, is it not possible that I am talking about you, my dear listener? Somehow you have set up an idol in your own heart. You are obsessed with self and pleasure, but you have forgotten the Lord. You are therefore like the people of Israel. You are estranged from God through your idols. Now, please take heed, therefore, to the warning of God's prophet Ezekiel, to whom God gave the remedy of repentance. God's words to him were these, Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent, and turn yourselves from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. That is always God's remedy to sinners. Repent, change your ways, do an about turn to cease from your ways, the ways of sin and worldliness, and seek the Lord for mercy. Without repentance there is no remedy. God said he would stretch out his hand to destroy these idolaters. He would send famine and cause wild beasts to invade, to leave them desolate. This is a serious warning, because God did it. Israel was indeed reduced to poverty. They were left a defeated people. They were filled with shame for their idolatry and disobedience. This again shows us that there are always consequences for sin. You cannot rebel against God and still enjoy His love. The first step to blessing is to fear the Lord and then to seek His mercy through Christ. Go to the cross. Plead cleansing in the blood of Calvary. Go as a sinner to Jesus for deliverance from your wicked sins, and then you will be saved. 1 John 7 is true here, right through to verse 9. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and make him a liar. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I would beseech you today to pray over these verses, 1 John 1, 7-9, and pray for cleansing from every idol in your heart. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. 
There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.